Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm former Buffalo Bills wide receiver Don Beebe, and you're listening to Nate and the Fellas on Circling the Wagons podcast on the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network. Because nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Go Bills. Welcome to the Circling the Wagons podcast, a podcast discussing the Bills all year round with interviews, news, recaps, and insightful fan discussion. Here's your host and lifelong Bills fan, Nate. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Circling the Wagons, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Nate. Thank you so much for joining us for another off-season episode. We had the pleasure of talking with Greg Tomset of Cover One Buffalo to discuss a multitude of things having to do with Bills free agency in the draft. We discussed the Bills signing backup quarterback Mitchell Trubisky to the roster, uh, what he thought of the signing. Is it an upgrade over Matt Barkley? Uh, we talked about uh, wide receiver Emmanuel Sanders, that signing, and that versus John Brown, what he thought of the differences between the two. What did he like? What didn't he like? We talk a little bit about Zach Ertz at tight end. Now, Zach Ertz, recently uh, we found out that the Bills are not interested in trading with the Eagles. The Eagles wanted too much, but Greg gives some great insight as to what he would have given away and also about some uh, second and third tier free agent tight ends that the Bills still might look at even though they signed Jacob Hollister this past weekend. Uh, we talk about uh, some really cool things like the tangible and financial change in culture of the Buffalo Bills organization that was evident by this season's free agency period. Uh, we talked about Belichick and the Patriots. Are the Patriots dead in the AFC East, or should the Bills should Bills fans still worry about them as, as a rival in the division? We talk about some draft prospects that Greg likes. We also talk about does he like the idea of uh, trading back from number 30 in the first round to the second round or third round or maybe even later? Uh, what would it take for him to feel comfortable doing so? And then we talk about something kind of cool, uh, which if you follow Greg on Twitter, on social media, he talked a lot about his incredible weight loss journey. Uh, Greg has lost over 100 pounds, and uh, he has some cool advice, some cool thoughts on it. And I thought that that was really interesting. I'm glad we finally got a chance to talk about it. But uh, but yeah, just so much to talk about. Bill's uh, free agency pretty much coming to a close, and now we're focusing on the draft. So uh, a lot of good conversation out there. Um, I have some thoughts after about the signing of Jacob Hollister. But for now, without further ado, Greg Thompson of Cover One Buffalo. 
He is the host of the Cover One Buffalo podcast with Aaron Quinn, a salary cap subject matter expert and knower of all things bills. I'd like to welcome Greg Thompson to the Circling the Wagons podcast. Greg, it is so good to finally talk to you in person. How are you? Yeah, thank you. Thank you, God. Appreciate the chance to come on. Love love a lot of what you guys are doing here and looking forward to being able to kind of talk a little bit more about the craziness that's happened last week. It's been interesting. Yeah, even, I mean, you guys just recorded, you know, like, what, yesterday, and there's so much, I yeah. feel like it's just happened, you know, since then. I mean, I, I have to first start off by getting your thoughts on the Mitchell Trubisky signing. I mean, you know, on the surface, it doesn't seem like a lot, but really, I think it, I think it, it could potentially mean a lot for the Buffalo Bills. I mean, Mitchell Trubisky, you know, the two, second overall pick from the 2017 draft. Um, I would argue he was kind of like the Josh Allen of that draft of like one of those guys that was like drafted really high, but was really raw. And a lot of people didn't see it, but just, you know, it just took one GM to trade up for him. Um, what are your thoughts on the signing? And do you think that's an improvement over, over what they've had in the past? So a couple of things. I mean, some people get a little excited that he's just this horrible trash player and that yeah, he wasn't a good starting quarterback. Don't get me wrong. I, you know, but he, he had his moments and he actually ended up, you know, most metrics, he was, you know, 18th, 20th, 22nd best in the league. Um, you know, he was ahead of Matt Ryan and Ben Roethlisberger and like good players and many legitimate metrics. So would I be excited if he was our new starting quarterback? No, but the fact that we got him as a backup quarterback, yes, I'm ecstatic. If we, the Josh Allen gets hurt and with Josh Allen's playing style, we need to be prepared for the fact that he could miss a couple games here or there. If Josh Allen misses games and we had to go on a three-game stretch with Mitch Trubisky instead of Matt Barkley, I'd feel way better about our chances. You then add to that that we saw Tyrod Taylor get $12 million, Andy Dalton get $10 million. Ryan Fitzpatrick at ten million. Jacoby Brissett got seven and a half million, and we got Mitch Trubisky for two and a half million. Absolutely a, a grand slam. That there is absolutely no downside to this deal whatsoever. We got better at the cheapest deal on the market. It's a grand slam. Oh, Jesus! Has anything uh, Brandon Bean done this offseason not been a grand slam? It just seems like crazy. You know, well, speaking of like you know grand slams, like there's rumors right now that the Bills could potentially trade for Zach Ertz, and as of right now, he hasn't. Uh, I mean, what would you offer for him personally? You know, we don't have the fourth round pick, but we, you know, we have the first, second, third, fifth, you know, other picks after that and maybe future picks. Obviously there's a salary cap issue. We only have roughly like 3.1 million in salary cap, according to spot track, uh, with the top 51. I mean, first of all, what would you offer for him? And do you think it will even happen? So first of all, that 3.1 million on spot track, I'm friends with Mike Giannitti who, who runs spot track. Um, he doesn't have the numbers on Feliciano, Taiwan Jones, Mitchell Trubisky, or Levi Wallace yet. So there's some more moves happening. We haven't even there. Honestly, there has to be contract restructuring that we don't even know about yet. That is going to make room for these other deals. Cause there isn't enough room for all the players to sign right now. Um, and just a heads up, I'm sure we'll talk about some other names that might be out there and we'll do it with Ertz here in a moment. Mm -hmm. Any other moves that are involved, we need Tredavious White, Stefan Diggs, Jordan Boyer to restructure their deal. We need an extension for Jerry Hughes or an extension for Stefan Diggs or whatever it might be. We have to create space to do anything else. Um, now specific to your question for Ertz, I am 
one, a huge fan of Zeckers. I am a believer that the most productive, you know, top three most productive tight end in the NFL we saw for six years from 2014 to 2019 is more representative of him than him playing injured last year in a dumpster fire team in Philadelphia that had no, you know, horrible quarterback play injuries on the line. Then asked him to block. He's not a Lee Smith. He's not a blocker. Um, I think he would have great value to come over. Now, I also want to leverage that situation with Howie Roseman in the Eagles. I don't want to give up a day two pick. I do not want to give up a third round pick. Um, if we had to, and it was a pick swap, and you're telling me it's you know, a third rounder for Zach Ertz and a fourth or a fifth or something, all right, maybe I'll get my head around it. Um, I would love to do it for a fifth round pick. I'd even add in, you know, I rattled off some younger pieces that I don't think have a huge role for us going forward that I'd be okay giving up. Harrison Phillips, Daryl Johnson, Jaquan Johnson. If one of those guys are a guy that Howie Roseman is hit and his team graded highly in their draft process, and we could do a fifth round pick and Harrison Phillips. Okay. You know, if one of the, those kind of guys interested them, um, I also would want a contract restructuring and renegotiation with Ertz before we traded for him. So, he currently would have a $8.25 million contract coming over. Uh, that's probably a little bit too much and hard for us to absorb. Um, if we could get that into like a three-year $18 million deal, about $6 million a year, which is what Gerald Everett got. It's what Jared Cook got. It's what several other guys have been in that ballpark. Um, and maybe we could even get the cap hit for that first year in 2021 a little bit lower into the 4 or $5 million range. Then I'd be really excited. Um there are also some capabilities if the Eagles were to eat a little bit of that money, then maybe I'd be a little bit more open to a higher pick. Okay. Well, let's stick on tight end because right now the Bills only have, I mean, for the most part, Dawson Knox on the roster. Yeah. And, and that, Reggie Gilliam is technically a tight end, but true, he's a fullback. He's true. not He's not a tight end. <laughs> even more unproven than Dawson Knox even. Yeah. And, uh, and you really need to go in, especially because he's so young, he's so raw. You need somebody with some sort of veteran presence, um, and you're probably maybe even going to draft someone as well. Uh, if it was your up to you, and you know, a lot of tight ends have been signed recently, um, is there like a third? I mean, we're almost in the third tier of tight ends right now. Is there a is there a lower tier guy that you would accept as like, hey, he's like a Tyler Croft kind of guy. Like he's had experience. He's not going to wow you, but he's just he's just better at this point in his career than Dawson Knox. Um, I'm not going to go as far as better than Dawson Knox. Um, some of those guys have signed recently guys who are material upgrades would have been going after obviously John Smith, Hunter Henry, um, Kyle Rudolph, Gerald Everett, maybe even Jared cook, all those guys signed many of them today. Um, so now you're into the range of different or supporting of, uh, Dawson Knox. So that would put me more in the range of uh, Dan Arnold is a guy that Eric and I did some work on and are big fans of. He's young, athletic, coming from Arizona. I think there's a chance he could develop into a little something. Um, he's different than Dawson Knox. I don't know that he's better, but he might be better this year if, if Dawson Knox doesn't take a, a step forward. Um, Darren Fells got released by the Houston Texans. He's probably more of like a slightly upgraded Lee Smith replacement more than a 
you know, competition or push for Dawson Knox. So he's not someone I'm, you know, super excited about. Other guys in that range, uh, Richard Rogers and Trey Burton are guys that you're, you know, you're probably talking about a melding of Tyler Croft and Lee Smith into one guy that can just, you know, play some snaps but contribute. I know some people like Jake Butt that was with uh, the Denver Broncos. In general, I, I don't think there's a free agent left that is a uptick. You know, you can make a legitimate argument that Tyler Croft is the best free agent left <laughs> out of the free agent tight ends. So it's realistically Ertz, or we're talking about a Dan Arnold or a Darren Fells. And honestly, Darren Fells is a guy that I could see us going after even if we signed Arnold or we traded for Ertz because I really think he's kind of a Lee Smith replacement, hand in the dirt, good blocking tight end who also can roll out and catch a one-yard touchdown. <laughs> as far as like, so in general, it seems like uh, Brandon Bean's plan this offseason was to just keep the band together. Um, it, it's a restricted salary cap season. Uh, you mentioned it on, uh, you put it on the disguise coverage pod with Anthony. You said it was like the salary cap nuclear winner, right? And uh, there's just, it's yeah. it's just so, so, so much less. I mean, it's 20, almost $20 million less than it was last year. And it always goes up like, I don't know, 10 to 15 or 5, 10% or whatever it is. Um, yeah, it'd been 10 million right in that range between like 9 and 11 million every year for like eight years in a row. And then we go down almost, you know, 17, 18 million in one season. Um, did you like the strategy in general that Bean went into with this keeping the band together, bring them back? You're 13 and three, just can try to do it again in, in this season that salary cap where everyone else is hurting and you're not? Or, uh, or would you have done it a different way? So it's funny. I think I'd gotten myself so convinced that we weren't going to be able to re-sign everyone that I was pretty genuinely surprised when it happened. So, you know, as you're going along, I just didn't think it was going to be able to, they were going to be able to make the math work of re-signing Milano and Darrell Williams and John Feliciano. I, I thought that you know, one or two of them was possible, but I didn't think there was any path where all three of them were possible. So the fact that they got all three of them and that all three of them were really good prices. So, you know, Milano could have pushed 13 or 14 million. He comes back for 11. Darrell Williams could have pushed 11 or 12 million. He comes back for eight. Um, I think Feliciano could have got seven or 8 million. He comes back for five. All three of those even had reduced 2021 cap numbers from there. So, you know, Milano for $8 million for the cap number, Daryl Williams 6.1. I think Feliciano is going to come in around four. Um, the fact that you brought back all of those guys at such advantageous numbers was just shocking. So Brandon Bean obviously did phenomenal work. Um, I had done my homework on what other linebackers we might go after, what other tackles or guards and things like that. So I think some people – had it in their mind that we were going to go big game hunting somewhere and try to um, improve on those spots, but it would have cost a lot more money, which means we wouldn't have been able to do anything else. So the fact that those guys came back and then, you know, four or five other guys all took pay cuts. So having that many guys willing to do that, it really speaks to the, the culture of this. And for, if you saw my tweet earlier that, you know, the comments from Levi Wallace, you can't have, a better definition of culture than him telling his agent, no, don't even call the other teams back. I don't care what they offer. I don't want to go anywhere. I want to go back to Buffalo and win a Super Bowl. I, it's unbelievable. No one has said that about the Buffalo Bills in my adult life. 
It's so weird to be like this. It's so weird to not have to offer the highest salary. Like I remember Cordy Glenn when he was a free agent and we had to sign him to the highest offensive tackle salary because that's how devoid the Bills were of talent and that's how much nobody wanted to stay or come to Buffalo. It's just such a 180. I mean, I never believed in culture. I mean, I was young when the Bills were really good. Um, and then, you know, you hear, you know, voices on the radio talk about culture doesn't matter, matters, you know, talent players. And you start to believe that and you're like, yeah, that's the only thing that matters. And then you see this and it's kind of inspiring a little bit. And you're like, yeah, this is what, this must be what good teams do in this scenario. You know, do you, you ever get that feeling too? Uh, when you see things like this happen, like you realize how much culture matters, like, you know, in like your business or your job or whatever with management and how much harder you want to work for, you know, people that really care about your well being, along with getting a good, having, doing a good job. I mean, how, I guess I, I can't stop thinking about how refreshing it is to be in the spot that we're in. So it's funny because I am a firm believer in, culture and just a little bit extra effort, the care, all the stuff that Sean McDermott does about, you know, having the players tell each other that they love them and that telling their life stories and their backgrounds and helping them understand why they care and why you want to make that extra little bit of effort because you care about that other person. I know that stuff matters. And I firmly believe it had a strong impact on how good the team was last year and the success, but now seeing it tangibly make itself shown financially in measurable ways is really, really impressive. Like the people are literally willing to come to the second smallest market in the NFL for less money because of the culture that's there. And that not only do they not want to go elsewhere to make more money, they'll say, no, Hey, you know, I'll I'll help give some money back. If it lets you keep more guys, I'll rework my contract and to have not one guy, but five, six, seven guys do that is just really incredible. And to see it play out that way in such a tangible, measurable way is really, really great. Let's talk about now Emmanuel Sanders and that signing, which is one of the bigger signings so far in free agency. Um, I want to talk about the differences with Emmanuel Sanders and John Brown. When the Bills were first looking at wide receiver, I guess I was thinking in my head, maybe another speed option. The Bills offense in general, I feel like lacks a lot of speed at, at you know, wide receiver, obviously tight end, uh, even running back. Um, we just don't have a lot of it. And we signed Emmanuel Sanders, so we still don't get a lot of it, but uh, I mean, it obviously tells us something about the way that they value their wide receivers. I mean, what did you think about the signing? Did you think it was an upgrade over John Brown? Or was it just a different type of wide receiver? What are, what are your thoughts? So I, I won't give you a hard time because I, I lost my mind a little bit because everyone yesterday kept saying, is this, did we didn't, did we upgrade? Is this, is he, I'm like, well, it's different. It's different. Like it's not, you know, we had a 31 year old who had a little bit more of an injury history for a 34 year old who stays on the field a little bit more consistently. I'll call that a wash. Um, Emmanuel Sanders had amazing production early in his career, but it was with Ben Roethlisberger and Peyton Manning. So I'll take that with a grain of salt. The last couple of years, he's had slightly better average production than what John Brown has. Um, he's a better route runner. He has exceptional hands. Now John Brown doesn't have bad hands, but, um, Emmanuel Sanders is one of the lowest drop rates in the NFL. He has exceptional hands. Um, John Brown has better deep speed. I think that Sanders is a little bit more explosive off the line. Um, You know, his get off is why he's such a good route runner and why he's able to get open so quickly. So he's different. I don't think it's a downgrade. I will say there are smart people that I respect who think it's an upgrade. 
Um, so Warren Sharp was very excited about the move. I think Warren Sharp's one of the smartest people in football right today. Um, my partner, Eric Turner, is a huge fan of it and very, very excited about the move. Um, so there's a lot of people. Now, I love John Brown. I was a huge fan of his. If you go search the term wide receiver one, John Brown, you'll find my name. That, that's, you know, I, I was a huge, huge fan of his. So I'm sad to see him go. And he's another example of the culture and what they built. It, it hurt him that he got cut. Like he was upset because um, he did not want to leave this team. And I think, you know, it, I, I don't think that Sanders was some huge upgrade. I don't think he's some hidden superstar. I think he might be one of the better third or fourth wide receivers in the NFL. You know, so whoever you want to say, Gabe Davis or Emmanuel Sanders is our fourth receiver. That's pretty darn good in today's NFL. Um so I feel good about what it's going to do. Um, he's 34, so this is probably a one-year run, but I think he's going to be just fine this year. Okay, great. Now let's focus now on the AFC East, and there's been a lot of big signings by other teams within the division. Obviously, the Bills right now finishing 13-3 and this last season. They're the big dog. They're the one that everyone's trying to take down. Um, and I see a lot of things on Bill's Twitter as far as the Patriots like being dead. Like, oh, they're, they don't matter. They were 7-9 and nine last season. But in my opinion, they had a lot of dead cap last season. I mean, that's not opinion. That's that's fact. Um, but And they didn't have a lot of weapons. A lot of players opted out. And they still have Bill Belichick as their head coach, which is very important still. I think people are completely writing that off. Right, do you think the Patriots are really dead? Or do you think last year was just an outlier and they may be potentially probably the second best team in the AFC East? So, one, people need to realize – they were rough last year. They lost a lot of talent. They had by far the most opt-outs of any team in the NFL. Had some bad injury luck, horrible quarterback play, and they went 7 and 9. Like they didn't go 2 and 14. They almost beat us. <laughs> you know, yeah, they only heck if not for Justin Zimmer, they might have beat us. Mm -hmm. Um that combination, I think people have written them off as they're trash now. Um so one, they're already getting a bunch of guys back from uh, COVID opt-outs. They've signed a crazy amount of free agents. They're better than they were last year. Now, the good news for the Bills is in today's NFL, the other 52 guys on the roster are probably 50% of your results, and the other 50% is quarterback play. And I I'm just not afraid of Cam Newton at this point in his career. Um, so what they do in the draft, maybe that changes that a little bit long-term, but it probably not in 2021. Um if you tell me that it's going to be Cam Newton in a 12 personnel run heavy offense with obviously they paid Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry twelve and a half million dollars each because they're going to play all the time. So they're running 12 personnel a lot. So, you know, you're telling me that it's going to be two tight ends and a lot of running and a lot of play action. You know, maybe they could pull out some of that Ravens season two years ago where they're an awesome front runner. And if they, you give them a lead with how good their defense is and that running game, they could embarrass you and they could put up 300 yards rushing and 35, 40 points. If they get in any kind of hole at all, they're going to flounder like a fish and not be able to do anything to get back in the game. Um, and eventually that's going to catch you come, you know, critical end of season time, or if they somehow stumbled into the playoffs, um, they're going to be good. Bill Belichick still the greatest football mind that's ever lived. They have a more talented roster. They're better than they were last year. 
until they solve the quarterback issue, I'm just not concerned. Now let's talk about the biggest needs headed into the draft. Now we're for the most part, at least for the first couple of ways of free agency, we're done. We're looking now towards the draft. Um, the biggest needs as far as position uh, goes, what, I guess, what do you put at the top? What is, what is a position that the bills need to address early uh, if they don't address it somehow in like the third tier free agency or the, th- or the third wave or whatever? Yes. Yeah, so I'll combine them together. The biggest needs I still have left are, I want athleticism at the cornerback position. I want some explosion at pass rush. And I want an upgrade at guard. Uh, And then potentially tight ends more free agent than the draft, because obviously drafted tight ends take forever to develop. So um, we could draft one this year. And if if it's not Kyle Pitts, I don't think it's going to matter. So I think we're in a perfect situation to take one of the toolsy bendy you know pile of traits pass rushers that sometimes go in the late first round because they don't have everything put together and but when you have jerry hughes and mario addison and aj epinesa you can afford to bring them along slowly we're not gonna have to throw them in to play more than like 35 40 percent of the snaps um i think that's a great opportunity to do that i think it's also a great opportunity to take a really athletic speedy, fast, explosive cornerback because you have Levi Wallace and you have Dane Jackson. So if he's not ready right off the bat, you don't need to throw him out there. He can come along slowly and spend time around Trey White and Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde and professionals in the secondary. Um, So I I would love if those were our first couple picks. I also think that you could upgrade from what is likely going to be a competition between Ike Botker and Cody Ford at the guard spot. Um, so if, you know, a stud like an Elijah Barrett Tucker or someone like that fell and you were able to get someone like that, or in the second round, you hear a lot of people talk about Landon Dickerson, Creed Humphrey, Wyatt Davis, uh, Quinn Miners uh, from the, the one double a school. Um, you know, there's some people there that I think could really add to that. And I, I'd love a four way competition with Feliciano Ford, Bakker and a first or second round pick and just, Hey, best two men win, um, kind of figure it out from there. So I think those are all areas that we could see someone who could contribute right off the bat. Um, you know, if we take one of the rookie tight ends, they're not going to come in and beat out Dawson Knox in year one. Um, they're probably just going to be a developmental project afterwards in case Knox doesn't work out. Um, some people talk about running back. I, I want to worry about fixing the offensive line and then, think the running backs would do better. I think Zach Moss was playing really well right before he got hurt. Um, I do admit we don't have a special talent at running back. So, you know, it, let's say we end up figuring out how to do a couple more things in free agency and Malcolm Butler doesn't find a home and we sign him and Melvin Ingram doesn't find a home and we sign him and we get Dan Arnold for cheap and all those spots are filled and now we're sitting there and Travis Etienne is on the board at pick 30. I'll probably get over it. I'll go, you know, warm my heart watching his highlight reel and, and figure it out in general. I don't like taking running backs with high picks, but um, if they fill every other spot and we brought back every other free agent, then man, eh, screw it. Give me a running back. What about, I mean, you mentioned a couple of, uh, uh, different players at that position at number 30 that could be available. I mean, are there any, are there any other prospects at, you know, guard or corner or pass rusher that you see at that spot and you're like, Oh man, if they fall there or, or if they're available and you're Brandon Bean, you're, you're running to the podium to take those guys if they are. So, you know, it, it's hard because 
there's a lot of guys that we don't know exactly what their transition is going to be. So you talk about those guys who are always there at, you know, they're listed at tackle, but in the pros is, you know, could Tevin Jenkins move inside? Could Jalen Mayfield move inside? Um, A lot of people talk about Alex Leatherwood from Alabama might be better off moving inside. Um, Other than that, you know, Elijah Vera Tucker from USC is probably the highest rated guard. Um, And then you get into some of the other guys that it drops off pretty quickly. So it's, there's not a ton of guys. There's no, um, you know, Quentin Nelson in this draft. That's just an automatic slam dunk guard that everybody wants to get. Um, so in general, it's going to be either figuring out, do one of those top tackles translate if you bring them here? Um, or are you better off taking one of those guys? I think that second round pick is really where our best case is because then you're hoping one of, you know, a, a a Creed Humphrey, a Wyatt Davis, a Landon Dickerson, one of those guys fall a little bit and you get them at 61, that would be a great value. Okay. I have to ask you about trading down from number 30. And would you do that? I mean, I feel like players always fall down to number 30. So there's always value down there at the bottom. But then again, there's lots of teams that may pass on a quarterback at the at the top of the first round that want to come back in and swoop them up and get that fifth year contract. If you're Brandon Bean, I mean, I, we don't know who's on the board and, and, and what you're picking. Would you consider that? And are you a fan of that, uh, depending on on what the haul is back to you? Absolutely. Yes. I am a huge advocate of team trade down. Um, I think that this is a perfect year to do that where we could use the additional, um, you know, infusion of cheap talent. I think that there could be some people trying to get back up into the end of the first round to snag a falling quarterback or whatever it might be. And that gives you an opportunity to pick up. I want as many picks as I can between 25 and 100. So right now we have three. If there's a chance that moving down from pick 30 to pick 40 or pick 42 or pick 45 lets you pick up an extra top 100 pick, I'm in. If it's just for a later round pick, it wouldn't be enough for me. I'd want it to be moving down far enough that we got an extra second or third round pick. Um, and then I'd be very excited about it to be able to to do something like that where we could pick up some real uh, ammunition and then get four of those guys in the top 100 I think would be worthwhile to do that, but it has to be the right offer. It has to make sense. Um, And then I think, like I said, there's kind of a sweet spot there. There's a handful of cornerbacks. I like in that second round, a handful of interior guards. I like in that second round and a handful of defensive ends. So if you're telling me I can get an extra instead of two stabs at it, I could get three. I'd be really excited. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to switch gears uh, before we wrap up this interview to more personal side of Greg Thompson. And you've brought it up on social media. Uh, you know, you had it in your profile, it was your pinned tweet for a while. And, uh, you know, you've done something that, you know, I'm sure a lot of people out there are struggling with. And you went through and you lost over 100 pounds in weight. And I think that is no small feat. That's really awesome. I think that's, especially for me, like I went through quarantine and then I did my quarantine 15 and now I'm in the process (laughs) of trying to lose it, you know, and, uh, and, you know, we're getting there slow, you know, slowly, but surely. And I, I, I don't know, it's a really cool story and I've never gotten a chance to actually discuss it. I mean, this is the first time I've ever actually talked to you. This is never got a chance to talk to you about it in person. Can you give, uh, listeners an idea of like what, how did you get to that point where you realized, uh, you know, what people say, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired, or, or was there was there something, right. something that that triggered y- your moment to to lose weight? 
So honestly, a big piece of it was being out of breath and unable to play with my kids, you know, wanting to be able to run around and play and do stuff and be like, oh my gosh, I'm just so tired. Um, and you know, luckily I was fairly fortunate that I wasn't in terrible health. It was something that I just wanted to kind of take control of it before I got to that point to where I was forced to from a doctor or from a health condition. Uh, so it was part of me taking the control. And, and don't get me wrong, this quarantine has not been great for it. I think I've probably given back a couple of those pounds. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's certainly something that is people ask a lot of questions when you do something like that. And I tell everybody it's there isn't some step-by-step guide. There's not some, oh, oh all you got to do is this. It's It's not. It's being willing to do hard work, being willing to make sacrifices, being willing to acknowledge where your trigger points and hard decisions are, the things that are difficult for you, and and being honest with yourself that if you can't have those things in the house, then don't buy them because if you buy them, you're going to eat them. Um, and then being willing to put in some work. The eating matters more than the working out. Working out helps, but what you eat and take into your body matters a lot more. And you know, being able to eat more healthy, natural things, you know, the more things that are, you have to prepare and aren't already convenient prepackaged in the microwave, the better. Um, and that's not easy. We're busy people. It takes a lot of time to do that. Sometimes it's more expensive to do that. A lot of the things that we've eaten our entire lives are convenient, easy, taste good, and are filling. And it's a really dangerous combination. So if it's going to be more expensive, take more time, probably not make you feel quite as full and some of it you can make taste very very good but it doesn't taste the same as salty fat goodness you know and and all the things that go with you know sweet yummy cakes and candies and baked goods um it's tough it's it's just being willing to say that hey my health and feeling good is more important than that and that um it's something I'm certainly very thankful for and, and being able to run around and play with my kids and enjoy time with my wife and things like that are are certainly worth it for me. Well, Greg, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us on Circling the Wagons podcast. Uh, where can listeners find your tremendous work on streaming video, your podcast, your social media, everything that you do? Awesome. Thank you very much. So you can find me over at the Cover One Buffalo podcast on social media at Greg Thompson, G-R-E-G-T-O-M-P-S-E-T-T. Always having fun with, you know, Bills fans and everybody online and answering all kinds of crazy sailor cap questions. Uh, It's a fun little corner I've kind of carved out for myself and I've really enjoyed it. Well, thank you again for coming on and uh, we'll hope to do in the future sometime too. Awesome. Thank you very much. Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smart Water Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. 
So just this past weekend, Jacob Hollister signed with the Buffalo Bills as their veteran tight end for the moment. He's a tight end that came out of the Seattle Seahawks. I don't know a ton about him besides the fact that he was Josh Allen's teammate in Wyoming. He was always on the waiver wire, it seemed like, for tight ends in fantasy football, like streaming tight end options. I always remember seeing his his name there as a guy, well, maybe he could get a touchdown this week, maybe he couldn't. But the real thing that's important about Jacob Hollister is the fact that I actually predicted that it would happen. Uh, a couple of days before he was signed, uh, I remember looking through the list of free agent tight ends, and after you know a, a couple of the top names, they kind of just meld together. And I look at uh, I look at a, a few of them, and I see Jacob Hollister on the list. Now, one of the listeners to the show and, and one of our followers, and just a really cool person, is Wild Fan nineteen seventy, and he mentioned to me during the season about how Hollister and and uh, Allen used to be teammates and how he was upset that the Bills didn't draft Hollister when they when they could have and uh, how good they'd be together. So I remembered him saying that. And then, you know, just looking at that, like, well, what do these guys have in common? You know, they're all just a bunch of names at this point, all unproven veterans, either they didn't get the chance to really uh, shine or really uh, or just had issues with their first team. So. I saw Jacob Hollister. I immediately put two and two together. So I wrote it on, on social media and, you know, it happened a couple of days later. Now, I will not say this is the first thing I've ever predicted right. There's a couple of other things I predicted right that I have to tell you guys about just because you guys won't believe me unless I tell you because I'm not right often, but uh, a couple of times I was right. There's this time um, and then there was Josh Allen. Now, it wasn't the Josh Allen being good in Buffalo or me even wanting Josh Allen because I didn't. If you guys followed this podcast in 2018 when Josh Allen was drafted, uh, I mean, I mean, everyone was telling us not to like Josh Allen. So I'm not a, a draft guru. I mean, I know guys in the podcast network and, and around uh, Buffalo were not happy that the Bills drafted Josh Allen. And I was one of those people. I was actually, uh, my day was ruined at that time. I'm willing to admit that I was wrong on that. But I was right in 2019 when everyone was all worried that Derek Anderson, the backup quarterback, was leaving the Buffalo Bills. And everyone's like, how could he leave now in the middle of uh, of Josh Allen's uh, improvement and learning? And he needs his guidance and he needs to be a player coach and all that stuff. And then he had another good year after that. And then he had his best year this last year. And what do you know? It was all without Derek Anderson as his backup quarterback. So... Um, props to me for knowing that uh, quarterback coaches and offensive coordinators actually matter. Matter more than, uh, sometimes even more than backup quarterbacks do. <laughs> Not to say that Derek Anderson didn't matter whatsoever, but I mean, the importance that was placed on him was just, just a little too much. And then the second thing uh, I ever remember getting right before the Jacob Hollister thing was just the need in general for the Bills at tight end. Even last season, the Bills had some really big holes at tight end. And it was just, and I mentioned this with Joe Biscalia when we had him on for the training camp preview. And I mentioned how, uh, you know, Tyler Croft is, is a stiff breeze away from being on the injured reserve. Um, I, you know, Dawson Knox was, was talented, but raw and young, which he definitely proved to be this past season. Um, which I'm not ready to give up on Dawson Knox, by the way. I mean, those guys, tight ends, like, like Greg mentioned, take 
so long to acclimate to the NFL and become pretty good. That's why I'm always in favor of signing a veteran like like a Jacob Hollister that showed some talent and could eventually uh, improve even more uh, this next stint with Buffalo. Uh, but, I mean, Dawson Knox was so raw even as a tight end coming out of college. So whereas it takes guys like three or four years to really acclimate, I mean, he might not even acclimate till a second contract. Or at least, you know, optimize his output as far as receptions, tight ends, you know, just being able to hold on to the ball uh, and blocking. I mean, this, it's going to take a little while. But anyway, um, the fact that I saw that as a need before, it seemed like most of Bill's community did. Um, I'm going to take that as a win. Now, I don't get many things right, so I have to mention the one or two times I actually got things right. But uh, excited for the signings, excited for Emmanuel Sanders to see what he can do. Was really excited about the Mitchell Trubisky signing. I did a, a poll on Twitter that it was like 88% of all people thought that this was an upgrade over Matt Barkley, and I agree. And and I've seen some talking heads around the NFL saying that the Bills' backup quarterback in Mitch Trubisky is better than the rest of the AFC East starters. <laughs> so um, there's that. So that's a good sign uh, if the if – Josh Allen does have to go down for a few games. Um, there's a guy now that I feel more confident, at least, that could actually win the game over Matt Barkley. So I want to thank Greg again for coming on the podcast to talk about anything and everything Bills. I'm sure you're probably listening to this, to his podcast if you're listening here. But in case you aren't, check him out. It's a good listen. Uh, he and Eric Quinn do a great job. Um you know, all, all the guys over there at Cover One Buffalo are, are super knowledgeable and uh, fun to talk to. Um, again, find him on Twitter at Greg Tomset. Uh, find his work on YouTube, uh, on podcasts, wherever you listen to this podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the Buffalo Rumblings podcast network and then obviously subscribe to them as well over at Cover One. Uh, we are in the process of thinking of some ideas for how we want to get listeners involved during the regular season. Now, if you're listening here through the offseason, you may or may not know that we do uh, podcast recaps after every single game uh, during the season and postseason, as it were. And we're looking to get ways involved. was thinking about doing like a pick em, some sort of maybe pick em against the spread this next season. Everyone throws in $5. Maybe we do like a... Uh, a charity that that it all goes to it wouldn't be like for money for us or anything but it would all go to a charity and then the winner of that after week uh 17 or whenever the postseason ends gets to come on the podcast and give their thoughts on the season on anything they want to buffalo bills so i want to get you guys involved somehow so we're looking into ideas in that i am lining up a ton of bills memorabilia for uh giveaways this next podcast or this next season in 2021 for the Buffalo Bills. I have lined up about 17 different uh, pieces of Bills memorabilia, whether it's Bills signed helmets, uh, signed footballs, signed jerseys. Uh, we are going to give away one a week. So that's 17 different giveaways. And for anyone that doesn't, uh, anyone that doesn't uh, come through saying that they won. Uh, it's just going to roll over to the next week. So no matter what, we are going to give away 17 pieces of memorabilia this next season. I was excited. I'm excited to do that. Um, all if you're wondering about how you can get involved in that, 
Um, just leave us a five-star review in the Buffalo Rollins Podcast Network on iTunes. Uh, mention CTW or CTW Pod or Circling the Wagons anywhere in the description. And then also, you know, leave some, uh, give some love to all any or all of the podcasts that you really enjoy in the Buffalo Rollins Podcast Network. Um, I know you guys are, are enjoying their, I, I love listening to them. They do a great job. Uh, so, so make sure you're part of that before the regular season. And also want to give a quick plug for our T Public store, which if you've never checked us out, go to tpublic.com slash stores slash CTW pod. And we have over, I believe it's 60 or 70 bills designs, uh, in different themes. We have our own designs and we have designs that we've gotten from some great artists. Artists have contributed to 26 shirts. Um, that have been found around. Uh, we have them on our T Public store. They do amazing work. Um, these are uh, images and artwork that you cannot find anywhere else on the internet but on tpublic.com slash stores slash CTW pod. And there's a ton of bill stuff. There's a ton of stuff in general there at T Public, but really enjoying the uh, the bill stuff I bought. Jeez. Uh, between hoodies, long sleeve shirts, and short sleeve shirts, and a tank top, I probably have about twelve different items um, there, and uh, and love when you guys send me Instagram messages or uh, tw- tweets about uh, wearing that stuff, and, and you send it, I'll always retweet it and always share it because uh, it looks good on you guys. So uh, again, that's tpublic.com/stores/ctwpod for some really cool Bills gear and everything like that. So thanks again to Greg. Tom Set from Cover One. And for me, Nate, go Bills, and we'll talk to you guys again next week. Yeah, it's the mafia, you know I'm rocking with the Bills. It's the mafia, you know I'm rocking with the Bills. It's the mafia, I'm with the Buffalo Bills. It's the mafia, you know I'm rocking with the Bills. Who you repping? What's your team? Who you repping? What's your team? You know I'm repping for my team. I got that challenge on my team. Micah Hyde, Jordan Boyer, can you catch it? Can you? Trade day is like a mask, you're not catching anything. Matt Milano making plays, we not scared of any team. Best in the AFC, all the praise of Brandon Bean. You hear Sean McDermott clapping while I'm snapping? Do you? Jerry Hughes will get the sack soon as you snap it. Andre Roberts running back, ain't no just backing. Mafia, we on a ride and we got traction. We got BZ, we got Diggs. Dawson Knox with the stiff arm, treat opponents just like his Feliciano, Deion Dawkins, block defenders like the fans Hey, it's the mafia, I said no one on top of us I said no one is blocking us on top of our division So it's clear that it's no stopping us Google best team in the league and we popping up Hey, who you repping, what's your team? Who you repping, what's your team? You know I'm repping for my team I got a salad on my team it's the mafia, you know I'm rocking with the bills. Yeah. It's the mafia, you know I'm rocking with the bills. Uh. It's the mafia, I'm with the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. It's the mafia, you know I'm rocking with the bills. Hey, it's the mafia, I said no one on top of us. I said no one is blocking us on top of our division, so it's clear that it's no stopping us. Google best team in the league, and we popping up. Home game for the playoffs, but you already snow. Gabe Davis is a rookie, but he playing like a pro. Uh, going through a table, only time we ever fold. Can you dig it? 17, by to take us to the bowl. Hey, uh, don't you run it? Oliver and Trey Edmonds gonna be on it. We got Corey, but we barely ever punt it. Cause we just running up the score on our opponent. We 
got BZ, we got digs. Single Terry, buy the juke of my shoes, make a miss. Run it in, Zach, also throw the digs. It's for sick, Terry Johnson, pick six to the house, take a flick. Hey, it's the mafia, you know I'm rocking with the bills. Hey, it's the mafia, you know I'm rocking with the bills. Yeah. It's the mafia, I'm with the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. It's the mafia, you know I'm rocking with the bills. Hey, hey, hey. who you repping? What's your team? Hey, who you repping? What's your team? Hey, you know I'm repping for my team. Thank you for listening to the Circling the Wagons podcast. Download and subscribe to us in your favorite podcast service. Email us at ctwpod at gmail.com. That's Charlie Tango Whiskey Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at ctwpod. And most importantly, go Bills! Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills, mate. <laughs> Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder wherever you get your podcasts.